in 40 to 50% of the actions that you do, that we do every day are not a result of conscious decisions. They're a result of habits. They're a result of habits. The strategic reason why small habits make a big difference in your success or even can make all the difference in your success is, is because they compound. They compound over time. They add up. They multiply. It's easy to dismiss what I just said because it never feels like that on any given day. It doesn't feel like you're making a 1% difference in the positive or the negative on a daily basis. Stay with me online. I want to welcome you online. Thank you so much for tuning in, all of you that have tuned tuned in online tonight. What's the difference on one day eating a Big Mac and fries compared to eating a salad? One day. One day. But if you do it every day, it compounds and make a difference for the positive or the negative. You can eat two Big Macs and an order of fries, and the whole thing is not on weight. We're talking about the flesh here. We're talking about the flesh. You look at the sins in Galatians 5, witchcraft doesn't mean witchcraft. It means pharmaceuticals. Sins, practice these things, practice pharmaceuticals. It's, it talks about heresy means a click. Rick, this is Rick Renner. Rick Renner's definition. You're in a click, you know, like a click at work, you know, like the same three people go out to eat every day. Don't invite other people. That's considered a click. These are all sins, but we classify the sins. I guarantee you the drug of sugar has killed more than the drug of THC. Guarantee you. Guarantee you, and sugar is a drug, but we don't count that on our little list of sins. We don't count it. There's no sin scale according to God. The flesh is the flesh. Hitting snooze five times in the morning, being late three times a week to work is the flesh. I struggle with secular music on and off. That's the flesh in the car. I want to turn it on so bad. That's the flesh. Gluttony's the flesh. Two plates of nachos for dinner are the flesh. Really, use an Afrin nose spray as the flesh. It can be, right? I was hooked on Afrin for 10 years. That'll mess up your nose, you know. I'm just saying there's so much that's the flesh that we don't count. Right here, this, this body is... See, you don't see crosses in here. You know why you don't see crosses? Because this is the temple of God. This is the temple of God. And it's a sin not to take care of the temple of God, technically. And so, you could eat two Big Macs and an order of fries one day and look at yourself in the mirror the next day not notice a difference. I don't agree. I notice a difference. You do that for five years and you're going to gain 20 to 25 pounds, two Big Macs a day. Small habits compiled to the positive or the negative over time. How am I going to back this up with Scripture? Well, there's a whole chapter on the flesh. It's all about law and grace. Well, this chapter is, let's just read the last verse of Romans um, chapter 6. Verse, it's verse 23. The wages of sin is death. People love to use that. But you have to look in context of who it's talking to. Let's go to the very next verse. 
Let's go. Let's know ye not, brethren, Christians. I speak to them that know the law. The wages of sin are death. Speak to them that know the law. Here we go. It's a long grace chapter, but we're talking about the flesh now. Joseph Prince says every time you see flesh, it doesn't mean sex. It means self-effort or self-occupation in this chapter. Many other preachers preach it different. I just want to get you thinking about the flesh that the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament talks about with his own self. Ready? Romans 6, uh, uh, 7, 1. Here we go. I can't go through the whole... Know you, brethren, for I uh, speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Romans 7, 8, 9. But sin, finding an opportunity in the commandment to express itself, got a hold on me. They found an opportunity in what? The commandment. Okay. Got a hold on him, aroused him, stimulated all kinds of forbidden desires in his flesh. Lust, covetousness is what got him, is the one that got him. You break one, you break them all. For without the law, sin is dead. Without the law, there's no issue, believe it or not. That's how Abraham could get blessed when he lied about his wife. Explain that to me. Explain that to me. All right? And so let's go to verse 9 here. Let's stay on track, Jim. Once I was alive, but quite apart from and unconscious of the law. I believe that he's preaching about when he's a little kid that point. Little kids come to it when they're just totally free before they've experienced anything. But when the commandment came, sin lived again and died, was sentenced by the law to death. Romans seven fourteen. This is Paul now. This is the guy that wrote two-thirds. Of, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a creature of flesh. Having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. Next, um, fifth, verses 15 and 16. I didn't understand my own actions, Paul says. I'm baffled and bewildered. I do not practice all the time. We're talking about habits. I do not have ha- habitual, I do not do habitually or accomplish what I wish, but I do everything that I loathe which my moral instinct condemns. Why don't preachers preach on this? This is, you could do a series on this chapter. Romans 16. Now, if I habitually, habitually, the name of this sermon is habitual victory. What is contrary to my desire, the means that I acknowledge and I agree that the law is good, morally excellent, and I take sides with it, Verse 23, I discern in my bodily members in the sensitive appetites and the wills of the flesh a different law, a rule of action, at war against the law of my mind and my reason, making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs. He's telling you this as he's writing the Bible. The sin that dwells in his bodily organs and the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh he actually goes on to call himself wretched. Uh, verse 24, 
Oh, I knew I missed one in there. Oh, unhappy and pitiable and wretched man that I am, he says. <laughs> Who will release and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death? Well, he goes on to say, Jesus Christ is the only answer for the flesh. For the flesh. Not just for diets and weights and weight, but all kinds of areas of life. Um, um, Reading one book won't make you a genius, but if you commit a little bit to reading each day, it could be transformative. You know, you, you know don't, don't tell me you're going to start the new year with an hour of Bible reading a day. If you haven't been reading it, even 10 minutes a day. Because can I tell you this? Chances are 8 out of 10 that you will say, I cannot do that an hour a day, and you will be done in less than 10 days. It's better to start with one chapter a day and identify with reading one chapter chapter a day if you're reading nothing at all, okay? Um, Habits multiply over a time. If you get 1% better or even a half percent better or even 0.3% better each day, it's going to put you in a much better position in four to six years. Like I said, 40 to 50% of the things you do each day are habitual. Tying your shoes, getting dressed, most women put on makeup, brushing your teeth. The definition for a habit is a behavior that has been repeated enough times to where it turns automatic. Something you wind up doing without even thinking about it. Have you ever met someone that apologizes every time they ask a question? I'm sorry, but question. It's a habit, right? We don't think about these things, whether they're habits or thoughts or habit of action. It doesn't matter how small they are. They often determine how we spend the next few minutes all day long. All day long. Habits are the entry point for the next behavior. When I had an iPhone, do you realize how much time I spent looking at the iPhone? It's why I took away the iPhone. For some reason, people are embarrassed. The basketball team that I coach, they're embarrassed that I have a flip phone. That's deep. Okay. Okay. But if you add up the chunk of time it takes after executing a habit, habits take up to 60 to 70% of your time every day. This comes from a book by James Clear. It's a bestseller called Atomic Habits. I got it from a a podcast by Craig Groeschel. At one point, he had the biggest church in America. He has a leadership podcast. And I viewed it. I saw this James Clear guy, come on, like 19 months ago. Now it's number five on the New York Times bestselling list. There are small disciplines that trigger either compounding good things or compounding bad things. Winners and losers have the same goals, different results. We don't have a goal problem, you have a system problem. You don't rise to the level of your goal or vision all the time, but you will always fall to the level of your system. We have something we want to achieve. We start to think about setting a goal, about achieving a particular result. But something that's overlooked is winners and losers in any particular domain have the same goals. 32 NFL teams every year, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. 100 people apply for a job. They all have the goal of getting a job. If you, 
if there, a dozen athletes competing in one, one sport in the Olympics, I don't think their goal is the silver or the, or the bronze. Goals are good for setting a sense of direction and clarity where you're going to direct your effort, but once you've set the goal, which should happen very early, it's more, it's more useful to focus on the system. What do I mean by this? A system is a collection of habits, a collection of processes, <coughs> Excuse me. a collection of behaviors that help, ex- help you execute the goal. <coughs> we set goals to get better outcomes, but oftentimes the way you get better outcomes is not by thinking about the end results but by thinking about the next play, the next series, the next move, the next meeting, or the next confrontation. Ignoring the goal and pouring all of your energy and effort into building a better system to reach the goal. If you talk to leaders, business leaders, ministry leaders, coaches, people leading their families, we often think, I need to set a goal out here and try to achieve it. If we do the right things, talking about habits that lead to the wins, the wins are going to take care of themselves. We're talking about all arenas of life. We're talking about leaders creating habits that cause success to follow. It's not just pursuing success. It's knowing how to get there. It's outcomes we want, whether in business or your personal life, are often lagging. They're a lagging measure of what went before them. Okay? You don't reach a goal, what went before it? When we think about losing weight, we think about earning more money, or we have a quarterly revenue goal, or we think about writing a book, but these things are the lagging measure of our habits. Um, your body can be a lagging measure of your nutrition habits or your eating habits. Your bank account is a lagging number of your financial habits. We're talking about focusing on habits that cause winning outcomes. When people set out to achieve something, they build something called an outcome-based habit. I want to lose weight. My goal is to lose 30 pounds in the next six months. In order to do that, I have to have a plan. I'm going to follow this diet program, and I'm going to work out this month starting the new year. And they think once I follow this plan and lose this weight, I'll be the person I want to be. I'll have that identity I want to have. But I think it's more productive to invert it. And this is what this guy in this book says. In other words, don't focus on the 30 pounds. Focus on the identity and let the outcome fall in naturally. Rather than saying, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in six months, ask yourself, who's the type of person that could lose 30 pounds in six months? Well, maybe it's the type of person that doesn't miss workouts. If you just say, I want to lose 30 pounds as fast as possible, you'll wind up doing all kinds of things. I'm going to do a radical juice cleanse. You know how many times I've done the maple syrup class B and cayenne pepper and 10 days that you don't eat. And everyone's scared of me because I haven't eaten. So I'm not nice. You join the CrossFit gym, go in there and get injured right away. 
Or, or the minute you catch a cold and get sick, you're just done working out. We're talking about inverting the process and focusing on the identity. How can I be the type of person that doesn't miss workouts or doesn't miss time with God? Well, you're less likely to miss a workout if you start working out eight minutes a day. Okay? You'd be surprised if you don't work out at all and you just work out eight minutes a day, you will lose weight even if you keep eating the way you're eating. Guarantee you. Because your body, it's burning something it's not used to burning. It's just the way it is. Or maybe I'll just show up at the gym for 13 minutes. Maybe instead of seven bad eating days, just eating whatever I want every day, which I've been doing for the last three years, maybe I'll just do six bad eating days a week and try to do one. You will see results on one day a week. They'll be slow. All these things aren't going to radically transform your body weight overnight, but it reinforces the identity of being the type of person that works out every day or four days a week. We can put it like this. It helps cast a vote to your new identity, a little vote. In the beginning, in the world of losing weight, it's the biggest hurdle to cross or keeping it off. When I was 31 years old, I weighed 205 pounds. I weigh 172 now. I was 31. I'm 53 now. I drank four Coca-Colas a day. Clack, Coke, you know, regular, not diet. The good Coke. Why waste the time with the diet Coke? If you're going to do Coke, just do the real thing. Do a lot of it. That's how I learned it. She would buy a case of Coke a week at the grocery store. Coke is in heaven. I cut it to two Cokes a day and didn't change a thing. I, okay. I was eating pizza rolls every night. Tombstone pizzas. Nachos. Those are my top three. Hot dogs, chili dogs. I was... Young, I just play basketball once a week. Watch myself climb from 25 to 30. I was at 205 pounds. Went to two Cokes a day. Get this. In four weeks, I dropped from 205 to 197, going from four Cokes to two Cokes a day. Still eating pizza rolls. Still eating tombstone pizzas. Still eating burritos from the gas station. Okay? Still doing all that. Just cut my Cokes from two to four to two. Lost eight pounds because I was 25 pounds overweight. You know what I'm saying? So that, just two Cokes a day. Um, at the time, I worked for my father as his executive assistant. Preach a sermon on that. But dropping from 205 to 197 in one month just by going from four Coca-Cola's to two Cokes a day. I was upstairs, right up there in the, in the office by myself for six to eight hours a day. I just started doing 25 push-ups up there, just a couple times a day, just right next to my desk. Just get down and bust them out. Twice a day, right? Over a two-month period, I was so motivated, I was up to 150 push-ups a day next to my desk. You think that's a big deal? It's not. You can do all that in like five minutes, honestly. And I'm, 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 doing, I'm still drinking Cokes. 
Still loving, I'm talking big bag, 38 pizza rolls. How do I know there's exactly 38 pizza rolls in the big bag? I know. Doing them three to five times per day in three months, I was down to 192. I had lost 13 pounds with the push-ups and the Cokes. So now I'm looking at myself in the mirror, my chest, my shoulders are a little bigger. I look a little better. I cut my Coca-Cola intake in half. I was still eating pizza and nachos. Can you meditate one minute a day? Can you take a verse and meditate one minute a day? Because that turns into six hours a year. Could you pray for your kids for two minutes a day, one kid for two minutes a day? That's 12 hours a year you wouldn't have prayed for them. 12 hours, two minutes a day. Little habits add up. So you're gaining an identity. Once you gain that identity, you expand and upgrade. Once I lost 13 pounds in three months from just going to a, from reducing my Coca-Cola habit in half and doing a few push-ups next to my desk, I had identified with it. You could say I really got into it. I cut out more of the bad food, but not all of it. You're getting, now, I almost thought about putting this diet in print here. But from this point, I can... I, I continued the two Cokes a day. I cut all my food intake down to one large tombstone pizza at four o'clock in the afternoon. That's all I got, which came to 1,600 calories. You can look it up. Pepperoni tombstone pizza, large, 1,600 calories a day with the two Cokes. That's all I ate. I was in a bad mood by three o'clock every day. And I ate that pizza in like eight minutes every day. And that's all I had. Long story short, the next three months, I lost 20 pounds and got down to 172 eating tombstone pizzas. But I, not because I started with this major blowout diet, trying to put my body in such subjection that I couldn't handle it. In other words, once you get that identity, you're in a good position to expand and go deeper into the process of change. And, and, and we're talking about doing small things that reinforce the identity. One good habit to break is not hitting the snooze button. I don't have that, the snooze button issue. One, get, one, one good habit to start every time you get out of bed, do 30 crunches. You could be done. You could be done with 30 crunches in 25 seconds. Ask the Lord, what do you want to talk about? Instead of hitting the snooze button, what do you want to talk about? What do you want me to pray right now? Tell me what you want me to pray. Put a person in my mind right now. Who do you want me to pray for? A few small things to start to change your identity will add up over time. You hear fake it till you make it, but fake it till you make it is asking you to believe something about yourself that you don't yet have evidence for. Think of yourself as a fit person. Act like your business is successful. Act like it. We're talking about letting the behavior lead to the belief. We're talking about using small habits to prove to yourself you are that kind of person. Every time you go to church, you embody the identity of someone that has a relationship with God. You at least embody that. Sitting there, you know that, right? You know he's really happy with you right now? I mean, you don't think he really notices this, but he, he's happy with you right now. Sitting in church on December 26th. 
Even if you sit down and write a sentence, you embody the identity of someone that's a writer. There's people in there supposed to write books. Well, you need to write a paragraph. Write a paragraph a day. Just a paragraph a day. And pretty soon it'll roll. It'll start to flow. So you can look back at this body of evidence and say, this is who I am. Because you've done 30 to 50 crunches every morning for 30 straight days. I guarantee you, you will want more. In the book by James Clear called Atomic Habits, he says, every action you take is like a vote for the kind of person you think you are or the kind of person you wish to become. We're talking about casting votes, even if they're in very small ways. You start to look at yourself in a new way, getting an internal belief of this is who I am. You'll get to the point where you don't even have to motivate yourself. You know, okay, not yet. Like the, right now, I mean, I am at a low point. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, I was going to bring my day timer and, and put it up to the camera and show you where I was this time last year compared to this time this year. I write everything down. Spiritually, nutrition, I write it down. Workouts, I write it down. And I'm not telling you to do that. But I will tell you this, it helps to write it down. Because you can look back and what was I doing when I was in the flow? And so, I've regressed to the point where I've worked out, I've lifted weights five times in the last 24 days. So how do I get back on track the new year? 12 sets a day. You can do 12 sets in five minutes. You know how many times I've done this? Gotten back into it? 12 sets, 12 sets. When I say a set, I'm talking 10 reps of something. 10 repetitions of something 12 times, right? You can do that, you can do that in five, six minutes you don't mess around and you do it every day and you do 12 sets of something tell you what you'll be doing 15 sets in about a month then you'll be doing 20 sets okay and so can you do nine minutes on the treadmill walking nine oh i don't feel like working on a half hour do nine minutes the next day do 10 then 11 It ain't about, you get to the point, it's not about what you feel because that's your identity. If you don't, you know, people that read their Bible an hour a day and have been doing it a long time, they, they, they have trouble identifying with, with what I'm saying here, but, but the reason they're reading their Bible an hour a day is because they, even if they stop a week, they've read their Bible an hour a day for 10 years. So if they go down a week, you know what? It's not as hard for them to get it back going. Same with working out. You look at yourself and you're like, well, I haven't worked out in three weeks. I still look good. And you want to go back and keep what you have. So I'm saying the, the, the more little votes that you cast, and it, it, it just starts small. And it, it ain't about what you feel like because that's your identity. I don't have to push myself to meditate on the word. It's just part of my identity. It happens naturally. Once you see yourself as that kind of person, it requires less willpower and motivation. You don't need unanimous votes to win. You just need a majority of small votes. Let's say you're trying to become more disciplined. You're trying to become healthier. Or you do a few things that are right. And you mess up in one or two places. 
But if you have a majority of the small habits moving in the right direction over time, the majority of those small votes will start to change your identity. I might eat a bad dinner, but I've had a salad every day for lunch for 14 days. You you used to eating a bad dinner and bad lunch. Can't you do a salad one day? Can't you say, I do a bad lunch seven days a week. I'm going to do a salad two days a week. Just start with a salad two days a week for lunch. The pizza rolls just have for dinner. You'll work on those later, right? Just in dealing with people. But if you're having pizza rolls for lunch and pizza rolls for dinner, the salad for lunch will help you. And just dealing with people and, and to kind of take yourself out of the competitive pride world, offer three compliments a day. Thank God for five things a day. It says thank God for everything. That's why Andrew Walmart gets whatever he prays for. You know that, right? That's why he can just think of things and it happens for him because he just walks around thanking God every day. He doesn't even ask him. Do you understand? It says thank God for everything. Not just bad things, good things, bad things too. Everything. Well, do you thank him at all? Do you thank him for heat? What if you didn't have heat? In the last few days. I'm just saying, can you thank him for five things a day? I think you'll see your life improve. I'm not kidding. Five things. Then go to 10. A majority of little votes moving in the right direction, and you're winning and becoming something new. Success can be less about making good habits easy and more about making bad habits hard. Let's look at good habits first, creating good habits. You have to make it obvious. You have to make the habit attractive. You have to make it easy to do, and you have to make it satisfying. Push-ups were easy to do. Got out of my chair, right down next to my desk, boom. Done in 20 seconds. If you're going to start somewhere, make it easy. I want you to consider something called the two-minute rule. That's the book, Atomic Habits. The two-minute rule says that take whatever habit you're trying to build, scale it down to something that takes two minutes or less. Read 30 books a year becomes just read one page. You know reading helps your vocabulary? It really does. Reading helps you, all right, in so many ways. Well, 30 books a year, just read one, start out reading one page. You want to write a book? Write three sentences for starters. Um, this does, just doesn't sit right with some people because their mind, in their mind, they're like, well, I'm going to start out running three miles a day. Well, the percentage says you're not if you're not doing it at all. The percentage says eight out of ten of you won't be running in a week. Start by walking a mile on the treadmill, half a mile, and then leave the club. You're, but I want to do more. Then you, then you do a little more on those days, right? This isn't some kind of mind trick. um, In the book Atomic Habits, they give you an example of a guy that lost over 100 pounds. When he went to the gym, he was starting out, he wasn't allowed to stay for over five minutes, okay? When he started going to the gym. So he'd get in the car, drive to the gym, go in there, do two exercises, and go back home. It sounds ridiculous, but what we have to realize is he was becoming the type of person that went to the gym four days a week. He was mastering the art of showing up. This is why making your habits easy and small starting out is crucial. 
A habit has to be established before it can be improved. When I got up to 150 push-ups a day in the office, I couldn't keep myself out of the gym. I wanted to do more. Did I start with 150 push-ups? No, I started with 125. We're talking about making it the standard in your life, making it a new normal. You worry about it expanding from there after it becomes an easy normal. It becomes easy to expand a little bit. Because of ambition or because of a burst of motivation for a day, we go just all or nothing and quit within six days. I'm going to read my Bible an hour a day. I'm going to get on that Bible reading program. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Bible an hour in a year. Or I'm going to read the Bible in a year. No, I'll just start with the short chapters. Google the shortest chapters in the Bible and start there. Start with the top 10. Well, let me try to find the best workout program. Let me try to find the perfect business idea, the ideal diet. We're thinking if we can't do it perfectly, then we might as well not do it at all. So the two-minute rule counteracts all that all or nothing. That, that's what I am. I'm all or nothing. I will never eat a half a plate of nachos. I will turn it down. Okay. Even, a, even a, one Coca-Cola, I would consider right now, if I was going to do a Coca-Cola, I would do two or three, and I would slam them really quick. I mean, I'm just, it's, that's how some people are, and I know everyone is not like that. A friend of mine was a sugar fiend. Sugar fiend. Okay? I said, she goes from seven days a week, all the sugar she wants to eat. All the sugar she wants to eat. Candy in the office drawer. Everywhere. All the time. Okay? Goes to one day a week. Doesn't allow herself to have sugar. One day. One day. Three years later, five days a week she doesn't touch sugar. Two days a week she eats all the sugar she wants. It's better than seven days a week of sugar, isn't it? Two days a week of sugar? Seven days a week of sugar? Right? Right? But it, it took time, right? And it started out with just less sugar. <laughs> just because you eat a Twix bar doesn't mean you have to eat five Twix bars and the day's over and you go get donuts after that. <laughs> you can eat a Twix bar and it doesn't sink your day. Do you understand that? That's the way I am. If I eat a Twix bar, I'm on. I'm going to go looking for more candy, Right? You got to be the kind of person that can show up for two to five minutes or 10 minutes before you can be the kind of person that's going to show up and lift weights for 55 minutes. You got to be able to do it for 10 minutes or get on a cardio machine for 40 straight minutes. You got to be able to do it for 10 minutes every day first. We're talking about making it obvious, easy, attractive, and satisfying. As far as stopping bad habits, it's a different type of strategy. Losing your temper, going off on people can be a habit. Smoking, oversleeping can be habits that cost you. We've got the four laws that I've been giving you guys. Obvious, attractive, easy, satisfying. You want to break a bad habit? Switch the laws. You want to break a bad habit? You, 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 want, you don't want to make it obvious. You want to make it invisible. You don't want to make it attractive. You want to make it unattractive. You, don't, you want to make it difficult and less convenient. 
If you want to make it unsatisfying, in other words, have a punishment instead of a reward. You'll be surprised how many bad habits fade away if they're not as obvious or convenient. The average American male spends five hours a day watching television. I hate to say, in my downward slide over the past few months and working out, not necessarily eating, but working out, um, I was up to probably this much time. Early morning, uh, I loved ESPN, Fox Sports 1, the sports shows, Speak for Yourself, Colin Cowherd, all this stuff. I, you know, I knew everything. But you know what? I just, I did it. I called Comcast, turned in all the equipment. I have nine channels. It's a lot of fun. Okay. But, but it was because I knew that's all I was thinking about. That's all I was doing. And it's not, oh, Jim, good, good, Jim. No, 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 no. This is, this is early. Okay. All right. I haven't called Comcast to reorder the equipment or anything. Saves you a lot of money though. Right? A lot of Catholic channels. Okay. So a lot less football, a lot less violence, a lot less everything. Um, but, but look, let's say you want to break a habit. You walk into any living room in America, where do the couches and chairs face? The room is designed to watch television. The most obvious, available, and frictionless habit because everything is set up around the TV. Rearrange the furniture is extreme. Or you can increase the friction of watching TV by unplugging all the plugs in the back of the TV, taking it out of the room, putting it in a closet. I understand the TV thing. Make it harder to watch. Three years ago, I was watching three NFL games a week, one college football game a week. You watching football yet again? You told me one time you weren't watching more football. Well, I'm not that not as spiritual yet, but look, I was watching 10 hours of football a week. Last year, I cut it to two and a half hours a week. It's a lot less now with nine channels. So the first piece is making it less obvious or even invisible. You know, I don't generally have this problem, but a lot of people have problems with oversleeping. You say, all right, today's the day I don't sleep in anymore. I'm going to set my alarm, wake up, and go for a run. But if you give yourself a commitment, this is what makes a workout partner good, to where if you don't show up for the run, you let them down. You're letting someone down if you don't show up. It increases the chance of you showing up by 80% if you got someone showing up with you. So you're locking in your future behavior. Sleeping in means something different than just staying in a warm bed. It means standing someone up. There's a, there's a longer list of these strategies in the book, Atomic Habits. Mornings, I knew I was going to be tough because I wasn't going to get much sleep. I've got a really loud alarm clock, and I can hear it two rooms away. Make yourself get up and go turn off the alarm in the hallway on the floor. You may not go back to bed after that. You got to get up and walk halfway across the house. You may not get back and go back to sleep. My eating is so much better if I don't have the food in the house. I don't have pizza rolls in the freezer. But if they're there, day after day, I might not eat them that day. There's Doritos on top of the fridge. I might have control for two days. But you know what? Eventually, I'm going to do the whole bag. I'm going to do the whole bag all at once. And I'm not even going to try to not do the whole bag. I'm just going to do the whole bag. Because that's what I do. I do the whole bag. Okay? All right? And I will eat them if they're there. Right? So don't bring it in. Don't bring the food in. 
It will eventually change what you crave. You know the group of people you put, that you put yourself in can be the most powerful form of accountability. Interestingly enough, we care deeply about what others think. The men in my family, covering four to five generations, being into fitness and the pressure or accountability that can put on me or other members of my family. I remember my dad 10 years ago telling me and my brother, I'm getting you a trainer. It's not negotiable, right? <laughs> what are the expectations of the people around you in regards to your work ethic, in regards to fitness, in regards to church? Sometimes you need to redefine the types of people you're hanging out with to change your life, but that's a whole other sermon in itself. All I'm saying is it's hard to consistently stick to a positive habit in a negative environment. There's kind of a, I guess you could call it a valley of death that we go through in trying to build a new habit. What's the reward for going to the gym 12 times in 21 days for the first three weeks you work out? It's hard to see the change 12 times in 21 days. For many good habits, the immediate outcome can be unfavorable because of a lack of early results. It's the ultimate final outcome that's more enjoyable in regards to the good habits, right? But with the bad habits, they seem to hit you very fast. The immediate outcome of eating a donut, or in my case, two Chipotle burritos, one large bag of chips, and a large guac right away. It's the ultimate outcome of the bad habit that adds up and compiles into negativity. So you're going to trying to change that equation. You're trying to make your good habits more enjoyable while you're make, waiting for the long-term rewards to accumulate. One of the most satisfying feelings is the feeling of making progress. I write it down, you know, when I'm having a bad month. You know how many times I've looked at my, my calendar, my workout calendar, and seen five times in December? But then I go back to last December, I go back to January, February, March, and I'm just like, wow, yeah, look at that. What was I doing? Look at all I was doing. And look at all that I was doing, right? And before you know it, I'm ready. I'll just look at what I did. Well, how'd I do that? So we're talking about habit tracking is a way to reinforce, reinforce it. I'm going to bring that day timer tomorrow and give a close-up. Explain. Um, okay, let's see. It's a visual cue for the progress you've made over the last five years. The tracking. Do you get what I'm saying? I can look back and tell you what I ate four years ago. The calories, or not the calories, at that time the fat, the carbs, and the protein. You can can do this just with a little calendar, waiting on a long-term rewards. And I'm looking at my numbers for nutrition, and something about it keeps me going. It keeps me going. At least I had three good days last week. At least I'm still trying, right? I don't quit if I have four bad days and three good days. And so we're talking about staying motivated long before you would achieve the distant goal. I have a question. Do you have to be dissatisfied to be driven or dissatisfied with your current state to be motivated? When you're recording each of your habits, 
each instant of your habits, you're proving to yourself that you have an identity. If you choose an identity that's motivating to you or exciting to you, that's a way to feel successful in the moment while you're waiting on the long-term rewards. Track your Bible reading. Track your Bible reading. Track, try to track your prayer. What you're saying is I casted a vote for God today. That day I casted a vote. I casted a vote for God. I'll close with this. Who, who we're all becoming as a person can be a moving target. We go through different seasons. You'll go through a season where you're very career focused or you're more focused on your children. Then your kids move out of the house and you're more focused on your career. Maybe you're going through a time frame when you go to church three to, two to three times a week or more and you're more focused on your spiritual life. The question is, what identity I want to build for myself is going to shift over time. And for that reason, one of the most important, you could call it a meta habit, is to build the process of reflection and review. That's what that day timer is for. I just purchase a day timer every year. And I write down every day my Bible reading, my workout, and my nutrition. Am I telling you to do it? No, but it's so much easier when the chips are down and you have that to go back to. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's like it's, you look at all the votes that you've casted towards that and it strengthens you. And so, hallelujah, Lord. We're just gonna, it's kind of a New Year's type sermon, right? Whether if it's prayer, if it's tongues, if it's, <laughs> you know, my mom, two weeks ago, she called me um, it wasn't very long ago, and she said, I'm fighting symptoms. I'm, I'm really not feeling well. I said, take communion right now. Take communion right now. She was, she was better within two hours. We always think that, it's, that, that, that we, it's going to, you know what I mean? You can't take communion once. You can't think about Jesus once, one time, one time a day, just once a day. Two minutes, that's all communion is. He says, remember me. You just have to remember him. Once a day, I'm not saying five times a day. We, we, we think we gotta take communion a thousand times to get our healing. How do you know? Is that what it says in the Bible? Does it say that? Just uh, over time, uh, how, how do we know, right? M my point is, just start with a little bit. Just a little bit. Write it down. Thank God for it when you do it. Right? Could I just, can we just close in prayer? Can I bless you at the end of this year here? Let's just close here in prayer. Father, we just, I just ask you to bless their year, Lord. Bless their year. Make your face shine upon them, Father. I pray that the gift, they would walk in the gift of righteousness. They would, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the, the, the powerful gift of righteousness. The no weapon formed against me shall prosper righteousness, that they would get that as their identity this year, Lord, that they would, it would be dripping off them as if they got out of a pool. And, and, and you know how you walk from a pool and it's, the water's dripping from you? That the anointing of God would just be on your life that strong. That everywhere you guys step, your children step, righteousness 
and anointing is dripping in your wake. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Heal where healing needs to be. Heal backs, heal livers, heal kidneys, heal digestive systems, heal stomachs and stomach linings. Straighten backs right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. I thank you, Father. Broken hearts, Father. One by one. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless, touch, sozo, heal, deliver. Mind, will, and emotions. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.